Good morning, everybody. How are you today? So hello, Vertical Church family. Hello, Facebook Live and the rest of the world. No pressure, right? Um, I have to apologize for Pastor Josh. I don't usually let him drink coffee before we film him. So all those jitters, that's, that's not normal. Uh, I, I knew with me preaching this morning there was going to be something technical that went wrong somewhere. And apparently it was that video. I've, I've, I think I've exported it 15 different times, and that computer just is not having it this morning. So... Uh, luckily, the audio is good, so that, that's a good thing. So I want to honor Pastor Josh and Jess, first of all, um, for, for sharing the pulpit with me this morning, but also for, for following the call of God on their life to launch this church, Vertical Church. Um, none of us would be here without them, and so just a big, big thank you to them. Um, he mentioned in his video that he wished he knew the number of days. He didn't know that I already had a spreadsheet going. <laughs> so I've got those stats for you this morning. So we launched the church on January 12th, 2014, which is about six and a half years ago. There are 342 Sundays that we've had church. We've missed three that we had to close for, two times for ice or snow, um, and then once because the AC was out and it was hot in here. You did not want to be in this building. So that totals 546 services and 2,400 and 22 days from, from the Sunday that we launched this church to today. So it has been a long time coming, and, uh, and I'm just so, so grateful and excited to be able to, to, to be here with you guys today and to share what God has put on my heart uh, for this week's Sunday. Before I get into that, I want to thank my tech team in the back for holding on the fort. Um, they are just, they've done an amazing job. And, uh, and, and I couldn't be here without them doing that. Special thanks to Tim, um, who has just been a solid right-hand man beside me um, for the last couple of months, well, years really, but specifically in the last couple of months. So very grateful for that. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Doug Freefell, as, as Pastor Josh mentioned, and I am the technical director here of Vertical Church. And uh, I want to introduce you to my family. And so they're going to go back up on the screen here in a minute. This is my wife, Tanya. We've been married for 13 years. Our oldest son there is Owen. Our middle son is Liam. And the little guy there is Noah, who is now missing one of those front teeth you can see there. We, uh, we used the door to remove that yesterday. And it hurt more than he thought it was going to. <laughs> um, but that was a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> so man, love them. Um, Special, special shout out to my wife, Tanya. I wouldn't be here without her. Husbands, your wives, come on. You know, who, they are our support systems. I just, I just love her so much. And, uh, and uh, I wouldn't be here without her beside me. And so um, in the first service, I want to acknowledge him again. Uh, his name is Bob Boss. He was here in the first service with us. And he's the reason, or you could argue he's the reason that I ever set foot into a sound booth in the first place. When I was about eight to 10 years old at the church we were a part of in Grand Haven, I was walking past the sound booth with my mom on the way into church. And he leans out the door and says, hey, DJ, because that was my nickname when I was younger as DJ. He said, hey, you want to come up here and sit with me in the sound booth? Just randomly. And he, he was a friend of our family, so we knew him. It wasn't like a creepy thing. Like, here, here kid, you want some candy in my van? <laughs> but, 
So it, it was a good thing, right? And, and he called me up into the sound booth, and, and that started for me a love with uh, church and church worship arts and technology, and so grateful to him um, for that. I'm going to pray a minute, and then we're going to jump into this thing. So if you would bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that your, your mercy and your grace, God, they're new every day. Lord, thank you that you've, you've uh, brought us all to this place to hear a word from you, God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit flow through me. Uh, I humble myself and submit myself to you, Lord, and that I would just be a vessel, Lord, a conduit for the word that you want to bring forth today. And Lord, I pray for all the hearts and minds that are going to hear these words today, God. And Lord, I just pray that your love would penetrate their hearts and that what I say would bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to encourage you again, as Pastor Josh said, take out your Bibles, your notepads, your devices, whatever it is you're going to, uh, you can access today. Um, what's interesting is I had a different message about three weeks ago, really even six weeks ago, um, when we were talking about me preaching this morning, I had a very specific message um, that I, I wanted to preach. And then about three weeks ago, that really started to change. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, all right, God, what, you know, what, what's the direction you want me to go in? And what's interesting is, is if you follow um, on Tuesday afternoons, I do a little segment on our Facebook, a Facebook Live thing called Downloads with Doug, and uh, where I just share a little thought of the week um, just to kind of, you know, help people out maybe. And, but, and so I share that, and the one that I did this week was actually a snippet of the original sermon I wanted to do about Mary and Martha. But a few weeks ago on, on Downloads with Doug, I did this one, and it was, God not only has a plan for your life, big picture, he has a plan for your days, right? We, most of us believe that there's a plan or a grand scheme for our life, and if you're a Christian, you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, big picture, but he also wants you to understand that he has a plan for every single step that you take. And so... What's really cool about this is I'm going to read you the scripture. In Psalm 139, 16, it says this. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me before they were, were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, like, today's not an accident. Like, God knew that I would be here and you would be there and you would be watching. You would be online right now watching this sermon, whether it's Sunday morning or sometime in the future. Like, this word is for you today. This is word is for you today. There's something in this for each of us. And so I, I ask that you, you pay attention um, to what God is saying. Um, each and every one of us, he has a plan for us. And I want to prove this in scripture. There's, I'm going to put a lot of scriptures up on the screen, the references. I'm going to kind of paraphrase these for you a moment just to prove to you how much God cares about your life. Jeremiah 29.11 says that God has a plan for your life. Psalm 139.16, we just read, he has a plan for your days. Psalm 20.24, your steps are directed by the Lord. Luke 12.7 says that God knows every hair on your head and they're numbered. When you lose a hair, God keeps track. <laughs> Jeremiah 1.5 says that he knew you, were, you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And this is the one that blows my mind. Ephesians 1.4 says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Before creation even happened, before he formed the world, before he set the stars in the sky, God knew about you. He knew that you would be on this earth and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so if you don't hear anything else today, 
all the rest of my points don't even matter if you don't catch that God loves you so much. So much God loves you. Which is a good thing. Right? I oftentimes feel inadequate. Like I don't have the skills that I need to go through the day, to accomplish the next task. That I'm just faking it till I make it. I'm here with me. Sometimes you're just getting through the day. And, and, I, and I, I struggle with that sometimes. And, and to those of you who know me and have been around me on a regular basis, that I probably don't come off that way. Usually I, I, I try to come off confident. Um, and, and I feel like I usually come off confident. I, I have this thing I like to say where I say, just because I haven't done it doesn't mean I can't do it. <laughs> and, um, and so I usually, usually am pretty, a pretty confident person, but oftentimes I don't, I don't feel that way on the inside. I, uh, in my secular job before I came on ministry, before I came into ministry, I had a secular job, and almost every single year I would have on my annual review needs to work on humility. <laughs> I was a pretty cocky kid. Um, I used to work with guys who were 10 or 15 years my senior on job sites, and if you've ever been on a job site, you know you kind of got to hold your own, um, and, uh, and they can, they can kind of be rough environments. <laughs> But uh, so I, I used to come off quite cocky. I don't think I come off as cocky anymore. I don't know. My wife could probably tell you. Um, but when this opportunity to, came, to preach came, man, I was excited. Um, as Pastor Josh said, uh, there has been some prophetic words over my life about moving from the back up to the front, sound booth to the front, right? I mean, it, you can kind of see that. Um, but, but I've felt a call on my life to do something like this, to be able to preach and teach and help people. And it, it's always been a desire on my heart, and there's been prophetic words that have backed that up. And so I'm here, and this is a holy moment. You guys are part of this with me, um, and I'm just so grateful uh, for that, that you guys are here with me today yeah. to, to experience this. But I could hear this voice of comparison start whispering in my ears. You're not good enough. You can't preach like those preachers. You're not a Stephen Furtick. You can't bring the intensity of Craig Groeschel, who loves a little Craig Groeschel, right? And Andy Stanley, with all of his great notes, you know, he's got the white words and the yellow words, and he makes very good points. He's very eloquent. Pastor Josh, I mean, who loves our pastor? Come on, guys. Um, he's an excellent speaker. As he mentioned, I've been listening to him for a very long time. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but man, it's like these guys have been working at their preaching skills, their abilities for decades, right? I've been at it for a long time. And uh, so what's interesting is, is as an audio guy, as a tech guy, I've handed this mic to a lot of people to come up and speak. Sometimes it's their first time and they're nervous and they're, they're, they just don't know if, if they're going to be able to make it. I was worried I was going to come up here and be a little puddle. <laughs> but um, but I've, I've encouraged them so many times, people who have come up on stage, even, even pastors who are coming up to preach a message that they're worried about because it might be controversial or it might be a hard thing. And, and, and this statement always comes to my mind. It's from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He says, people will admire you for your strength, but they will connect with your weakness. Mm -hmm. 
I'm never going to be like them. I'm never going to be just like any of these great pastors. I just have to be me. Um, And I just have to be honest. I just have to come up here and be the the best version of myself and and submit myself to what God has to say through me today. Um, So thank you all for coming with me as I gave myself a pep talk. I appreciate that. Um, Now that I've I've kind of gotten through the pep talk part. But this is what's great. This is, this, is, this is what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, this is God talking to Paul. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul speaking now, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weaknesses in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties? How many know that following God is not always easy? There's challenges to it. And oftentimes when you're moving in the direction that God wants you to move, there is resistance. And so oftentimes when I feel resistance, when I'm following after what I believe God is calling me to, I count that as confirmation. I rejoice in those things because I'm moving in the right direction if there's resistance. If it's too easy, if I'm going with the flow, I might not be going in the right direction. Sometimes God makes that path really easy, but sometimes it's a challenge. The verse finishes like this. When I am weak, then I am strong. The enemy may say you're not enough, but my father says, but but my father says that my power is made perfect in weakness. We're only called to be ourselves. We can't be anyone else. So, that was my introduction. Are you ready for the message? <laughs> I, I've always wanted to say that. I've seen other preachers do that so many times. Yeah. They, you, they like get through the beginning, like, oh, that was good. And they're like, all right, now I'm going to start my message. You're like, oh, all right, well, let's carry on then. <laughs> oh, man, you guys are the best. Um, today's message is called this. It's titled this, The Distraction of Comparison. It's when you realize that God has a plan for your life and that he chose you before the foundation of the earth, the implications are massive. Now, some of you might feel like your life was an accident. My mom and dad were in first service, and I was a surprise. <laughs> I said it a different way in first service, and my mother very lovingly corrected me. <laughs> Just, no, it's not like, it wasn't like that. You were a surprise, and we're very happy for you. <laughs> But your parents may not have planned you, right? Sometimes there are surprises. The circumstances that brought you into this world may not have been ideal. But God, I love it. When, it, it, when, when you read the Bible and you find a but God, how many know something good's coming, yeah. right? When you're reading the Bible, it's like, but God, what, what, what is God going to say next? But God has a plan for you, and he has a call on your life. Comparison is a tool of the enemy to distract you from who God has called you to be. The word comparing in the Greek is synchrino. That's spelled S-U-N-K-R-I-N-O for those of you taking notes. Hopefully you all are. But the word synchrino is this. It's a picture of two or more who stand side by side to thoroughly examine themselves in comparison to each other and then to critically judge who is superior among the candidates. Just think about that picture for a moment, just people standing side by side, looking 
at the other people around them. Matthew 7 says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Oftentimes, we like to use this scripture to judge other people. We'll come out and say, don't judge other, someone else unless you're going to be judged. And then, oh, did you see what the... Did, you start talking. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure that you used will be measured back to you. When you compare yourself or your life to someone else's, you're piling judgment onto yourself. In the same way that unforgiveness is a burden that you bear on yourself, it doesn't hurt the other person when you keep unforgiveness. That's just hurting yourself. It's the same way with comparing. You're just loading that judgment onto yourself. They have no idea. It's not hurting anyone else. You're just doing it to yourself. You're just piling it on. So I want to encourage you that there's someone in this room who needs to hear this today, or if you're online watching right now, um, man, this word is for you. God's trying to tell you something right here today. And I know that because this isn't the sermon I was going to preach. <laughs> this is what, what God told me to preach, and so I'm just doing my best to be obedient. So comparison, keeping up with the Joneses. Who remembers when all you had to do was keep up with the neighbors? <laughs> this guy over here, that guy across the street, you could see them and what they were doing. Now it's all of social media. Now you just, oh, hop on Facebook, hop on Instagram. Oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? This person got a new car. Oh, that's nice. They got a new phone. Oh, look at her clothes. Man, he's got cool sneakers. Maybe you can't take good enough selfies. There's a couple of classics in here. Ford versus Chevy. Come on, that's a good one. This is one we go back and forth in on the office all the time. Is it go blue or go green? Great. Oh, got some hecklers in the crowd. Here's the big one right now. Here, here's, here's what I feel like we're facing right now, especially as parents of student-aged kids. What are you doing for school this year? <laughs> right? Are you homeschooling? Are you virtual schooling? Are you in-person schooling? Are you doing some combination of them? Are you just sitting in the corner just still wondering what you should be doing? Ho hopefully you've made a decision because most, most school has started. But... <laughs> But, like, man, what a hard decision to make it's been this year. And it's like, what's the right answer? Well, there, there isn't a, a right answer for everybody. There is a right answer for your family and for your kids. And so I want to encourage parents uh, of students here uh, a moment because God knew, just like God had a plan for your life, God knew you were going to have your kids. And as much as he's planned your life, and your steps, he's planned their life and their steps, and he knew that they would be with you. Yeah. Which means that you are specifically equipped yeah. to raise your children. Yeah. And that the decision that you're going to make right now in this time of how you're going to choose to raise those kids is a choice that needs to be done with your family and through the leadership of prayer and through what, what God's telling you to do. And to not get caught in the trap of comparing yourself to what all of the other people around you are doing. Because the right answer is the answer for your family. And keep it up, guys. You're doing a good job. Anybody who has kids knows it's hard. It's hard work, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Oh, they are the best. I've got my kids here in service with me this morning. 
and uh, I'm just so proud of them and, and honored to be their dad. Um, what I find is interesting, especially with um, this, this choice for homeschooling, this is, I think, more for moms than anything else, is you start coming up with a plan of how you're going to do school for your kids in whatever way that looks, and then you hop on Pinterest. And then you start seeing the way this mom is doing it. Or you start watching an Instagram story of how this mom's got it nailed. Or you just start seeing all of these other systems. That, oh, she's got it all put together. I could never do anything like that. Stop it. <laughs> You're doing great. Okay? Be there for your kids. Show them your love. Give them your time. And it will work. I promise you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So last week, I was standing on stage talking to the band about what I was going to preach this week. And at this point, I had known that it was going to be this, this topic of comparison. And so I was just discussing it with them. And a bass player who, who guest plays with us a couple times, her name is Jaslyn. And she quoted Teddy Roosevelt. And she said, comparison is the thief of joy. And she's like, man, that's good. That's going in my notes. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> but how many, how many of you have been having like the best day? Things are just working. Things are flowing. You're having a great day. Everything's good. And then, boom, you compare yourself to something else, your situation to something else, and that joy is gone. It was a great day. Man, things are working. And then, bang, gone. All your joy is gone. And then it's so hard to get back. You might not even get it back that day because of that thought, that thief of joy. Man, what is great <clears throat> right now just became not good enough. Another thought I had, comparison creates destination disease. It's this someday disease. Someday my life will look like this. Someday I'm going to have the new house and everything's going to be better. Someday I'm going to get the new car. Someday this, someday that. Man, when the vacation, when we get to vacation, it's going to be great. When we get to the weekend, man, I just got to get through the week, get to the weekend. You're always looking ahead, trying to get to the next thing. When I get married, it will be okay. Then I'll feel full. When we have kids, it'll, it'll fix our marriage. Kids are going to make our marriage better. Kids are hard. <laughs> They're worth it, and they're great, but they, uh, they're definitely a challenge. When I retire, then I'll have the time to do what I want to do. When I retire, then I'll be able to focus on the things I want to focus on. And we get stuck in this destination disease of some days instead of God calling you into what you're supposed to do right here and right now. I thought about it like this. The distraction of comparison will kill your calling. I've seen a lot of Christians get taken out by this because they, they, they feel like God has called them into something, that God has, has spoke to them a word or they have an idea or a plan of the direction they're supposed to go in with their life. And they start pursuing it and it gets hard. And then they start looking around oh, man, this is really hard. And they start looking around at someone else who's got a similar calling. Oh, man, they're doing a great job. Hmm, I can't do it like them. And then you go to the next step, which is, oh, they don't deserve their calling. They don't deserve that. They didn't do enough work for that. How did they get there? 
I mean, I've done so much work. How come my calling doesn't look like their calling? How come what I'm doing doesn't look as good as what they're doing? They don't deserve it. You start talking bad, and then division comes in. And division is, is one of the big traps of the enemy. 1 Corinthians 12.25 says this, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So we are the body of Christ. Right? And that there should be no division in us, but its parts should have equal concern for one another. It goes on to say, if one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. We need to be in unison with each other. We need to be cheering each other on. Now, the scripture ends like this. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. No exclusions. Each one of you has a part to play in the body of Christ. Each one of you has a calling on your life. Each one of you has something to do. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're a child, if you're an adult. Maybe you're already in retirement and you think your time is up. It's not. God has something for you in your life. Now, I grew up in church, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and I started learning about this trap of comparison a long time ago. Um, and so it was interesting to me, you know, I had a head knowledge of comparison. Like I'm, I'm aware of it as, as a problem that people go through. Um, but typically it's not something that I ever really struggled with on, on my own. Um, so it was really interesting to me when, when this sort of attack started happening on my life, when I started getting these whispers and these thoughts of comparison, it, it, it kind of almost like an out-of-body experience, like, oh, I wonder where that's coming from. Like, like that's, that's a weird, that's a new one for me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm not trying to be cocky. Obviously, I am a little bit cocky, um, and that's, that's coming out. Um, but, but it was just really interesting to me um, when you go from knowing about something to an awareness of it in your life because we all have blind spots. We all have blind sides that we're not aware of and, and the enemy, the devil, will attack you where you least expect it. And he was trying to kill my calling. John 10.10 10 says that the thief does not come except you still to steal, kill, and destroy. It says that I have come that you may have life and that, excuse me, and that they may have it more abundantly. God not only has a plan for your life, he has a plan for your days. And the enemy wants to steal that from you. Part of God's plan for your life is his specific calling on your life. There are things that only you can do. There are people that only you can reach. Now, I could go into your workplace or into a family gathering of yours, and people would look at me really, really funny. Like, what is this guy doing here? I, well, I don't know him. But they know you. They know you in your family. They know you in your workplace, in your friend, friend groups, and you have influence there. God has called you to a group of people to influence. And it's really important that you, you kind of realize that that there's something very specific that you've been called to and that no one else can do it but you. Now, God will do it through you, and God is no respecter of persons, but it's important to realize that God has that plan specifically for you. 
Now, I, I worked a secular job um, for many, many years. You heard me mention that before I was able to go into full-time ministry, and I'm very blessed to be in full-time ministry. It's, it's, it's something that I feel God has called me into and has opened doors for, and so I'm extremely grateful to be here. I can't even tell you how grateful I am for the opportunity to be in ministry. Um, but, but in my secular job, and in whatever job that you're in, like it doesn't matter what position you hold, there's a place for you to bring the love of Jesus. You don't have to be a preacher. In fact, being someone who's in ministry full-time, I'm here most of the time. I spend most of my time behind my computer making graphics and, and videos, which obviously didn't work very well this week. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I spend a lot of my time here doing things. And that means I'm not spending a lot of my time out there impacting the community. Now, there are things that we do where I get to go out and impact the community and be with people outside of the church, but it's your job to go out there. Right. It's your job to impact the groups of people who are around you. Yeah. I can't go reach them. Pastor Josh can't reach them. Now, we can preach sermons and put it online and, and do our best, but there's those people and things that you're supposed to do. Amen. So uh, I love it because the Bible talks about this. Romans 12, 6 says this, that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give. Then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Corinthians carries on like this, 12, 12. It says, just as the, just as a body, though one has many parts, but it, all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized with one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what your situation is. Jews, Gentiles, slave or free. Now, this is New Testament. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, a Gentile could not participate in the Jewish faith. It wasn't okay. But when Jesus came, he said, there's a new way. And everyone is welcome in that. And everyone has a purpose in that. Whether you were a Gentile before or a Jew before, whether you've been in church your whole life or whether it's your first time in church today, like, God has a plan and a purpose and a place for you in the body of Christ. So this scripture finishes, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Comparison will kill your calling. So what are we going to do about that? I've got three points for you that I'd like you to write down. These are three ways to avoid the distraction of comparison. And the first one is this. Practice gratitude. Be thankful for what you have. Now, we're, we're, we live in America. We have a lot of blessings and freedoms just by being Americans, just by living in this place. I know right now it may not always feel like the best, right? We may feel like we've got fewer freedoms than maybe we've had in the past, but the fact still remains we live in a great country, and, and we have so many freedoms that, it's something to be thankful for. 
on top of that, we're, we're just a blessed nation. Even if you look at poverty rates around the world, like Americans, we're in the top percentage of the world. You know, if you've got uh, a roof over your head at night or you've got a car or you've got a bank account that's got a little bit of money in it, you're in the top percentage of the world. And we are so blessed. We complain so much, but um, that's, that's a different sermon for a different day. This one's about comparison, not complaining. But I want to challenge you. Think about one thing each day to be grateful for. Did you know that the act of practicing gratitude will literally rewire your brain? It's, it's scientifically proven that people who are grateful are more happy. They're more full of joy. And that, did you know that if you practice being grateful on a regular basis, when comparison comes at you, you're like, oh, I've, I've got less things to compare because I've been grateful about more things. Be generous. Find ways to give of your, your time. Find ways to give of your money. You should be tithing. If you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible, tithing is so important. I went on a little rant first service about tithing um, because tithing has been so important to me in my life and, um, and just the way that God has proven himself faithful to myself and to my family. And uh, in, in the, and this is, I, I don't want to toot my own horn because it's not about me. It's about the promise of God and the fact that there are laws and principles and blessings available to you in the Bible and from God that says that if you're a faithful tither, if you give your tithe, God will release these things, these blessings and provisions to your life. And it might not always be money, but God will provide for all of your needs. And one of the ways to enter into that blessing and promise from God is to be a tither. And so I encourage you to start tithing. So give your time, serve in the community, find ways to get involved and give your time to other people. As you work with people who need it, you will be practicing gratitude. Serve in the church. We've got lots of great opportunities here on a regular basis to get involved here at the church. Uh, you heard Pastor Josh talk about hand-to-hand. We've got a lot of really great opportunities for you to get involved with hand-to-hand and help with packing and delivering and sorting and organizing. There's lots of really interesting jobs to do that are just practical. doesn't require a, a, a Bible degree or anything. You can just come and show up and help pack some food and love on kids and pray over people. It's really cool. Um, what I like about God is what he says for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Rejoice always pray continually now praying continually i feel like has always sounded kind of daunting right it's like are you just supposed to walk around all day long praying maybe <laughs> but but it's it's hard you, you want to go have a conversation i'm going to walk up to my friend john and have a conversation and uh, am i supposed to be praying the entire time we're having a conversation like how do you pray continually you know, what about when you're at work and you've got to give a presentation? You can't be praying while giving a presentation. That doesn't work. But what this is saying is that by praying continually is you're inviting God into your every moment, into everything that you're doing and everywhere that you're going. You're constantly communicating with God about what's going on in your life. If you've got a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, if you're in some kind of relationship, 
and you never talked to that person, how close would you be? You wouldn't. So God's saying the same thing. Like, he wants to just be close to you. He just wants to know what's going on in your everyday life. Sometimes I run into technical issues, and I'm just like, God, I need some help. I don't have this one figured out. Um, I need some help. But you just, Pastor Josh talks about this. He just walks around sometimes just throwing prayers out. He's just walking down the street and see somebody and just kind of just throws a prayer. It's silent. It's in your head. You don't have to be weird about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but just, just be in constant communication with God. Um, man, it's, it's, I love that it says rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances for it is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So, if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, it's this. Rejoice always. So God wants you to be full of joy always. Rejoice is rejoicing. It's, it's constantly putting in, in joy. So God wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be in constant communication with him. And he wants you in all circumstances to give thanks. So walk around, throwing prayers out, rejoicing, filling yourself up, and giving thanks in all the circumstances in life. Easier said than done. But this act of daily gratitude will rewire your brain. It will change the way your body actually works, and it's really cool. Point number two is this. Practice cheering others on. Celebrate other people's wins. When they get a promotion, be excited for them. Cheer them on. Encourage them. If they get a new car, that's great. It's a good thing. Cheer them on. Because... Maybe their family's been needing a good vehicle. Maybe they've not had a good car to be able to go to the places that they need, and they finally got the good one that they need. Praise God. When someone gets a new calling, when someone gets promoted to a new place in ministry, cheer them on. Be grateful for them. When someone gets free from an addiction, cheer them on. Encourage them. It's hard. And the devil's going to be right behind them trying to condemn them right back into the addiction they just got free from. Yeah. They don't need you going up and talking to them. Oh, you got free? That's great. Hey, he's going to be back in the hole in a week. Like, you know, yeah. cheer those people on. Love them. Amen. <clears throat> One of the things that we say here at the church is love others towards God. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, if some of these things sound hard, and they might be for some of us, especially if we've been stuck in comparison for a long time, some of these things can be really challenging to start just having a little bit of gratitude, to start cheering someone on. And I encourage you, start small. Start with just one thing a day. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices when the work begins. To see it begin, even just to start making an effort, God's going to rejoice over that. I'm going to close with this. This is our third point. Learn what God has to say about you. When you're trying to avoid the distraction of comparison, learn what God has to say about you. 
At the end of the day, the distraction of comparison comes because we haven't taken the time to understand who we are to God and let that define us. To God, we are precious. We are unique. We are chosen. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Condemnation is the expression of very strong disapproval. When you're comparing and you're judging, the next step is condemnation. And there, that doesn't exist. It's not okay when we're in Christ. It goes on to say a little bit further down in Romans. It says in 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Love that word there, adoption. If you've ever known someone who's gone through the adoption process, you know that that is a process that is a lot of work. That those parents put in time, effort, money. They prepared a place. They did work. They prayed. They toiled to be able to adopt that child. And this is what God says about us. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He has that spirit of adoption towards us. Verse 16 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our, our spirit that we are children of God. So if you're wondering who you are today, you're a child of God. Amen. So if, if you need something to compare to, if you need something to define you, there it is. You're a child of God. And you've been adopted. You've been brought into the family of God. You were chosen Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Ephesians 1.4 Our God knows us more intimately than we can imagine. And a relationship with our creator is the only way to know who we were made to be. Amen. Right? Yeah. I'd like you to bow your heads. I want to invite you today, those of us who are in this room and those who are watching online, I want to invite you today into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if, if you haven't already made Jesus the Lord of your life and entered into this relationship with God and you want to, you're feeling that, that nudging on your, in your heart and your spirit. You're feeling drawn towards this identity of being a child of God because our heart longs for that, to be brought into the family of God so I want to encourage you, if, if you're feeling that, in just a moment we're going to pray a prayer all together as a church. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online, I want to encourage you that, that this prayer is a holy thing. It's a good thing that Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him. And so everyone, I want you to pray this with me together. Say, Father God, thank you that your grace is sufficient for all of my needs. 
that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I believe that on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead and by his precious blood, our sins are forgiven. I declare today that Jesus is Lord of my life. I surrender myself to him. And from this day forth, my eternity is sealed in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Can you guys celebrate? Man, if you prayed that prayer today, we are so, so, so excited for you. Uh, it's the beginning of something great. And, uh, and this relationship with Jesus Christ, um, man, it's just the first step in, in many. And so what I want to do is help you in what those next steps look like. Uh, one way to do that is, <laughs> excuse me, is after service is done today, you can walk down past the water bar to our prayer room and meet with our, one of our prayer team members. And they would love to give you a book and pray over you that would help you learn what some of the next steps are. Um, you can also text PRAY to the number on your screen there. If you're online and you've, you've given your life to Christ today, man, we are so proud of you and excited to welcome you into the body of Christ. God has a plan and a purpose for you today. And I would encourage you to text this number on the screen and just let us partner with you. <laughs> we would love to send you this book in the mail if you're not able to be here in person um, and, just, and just partner alongside with you. Um, one of the other great steps that you need to take is to get connected to a local church, uh, a local life-giving church. We think this one's great. I like it. Um, but there's lots of them in, in our community. Um, and if you're online and you're not, you're not local to us here, then I would encourage you to start looking in your local area for a church that you can get connected to because um, it is just the best. So um, I'm going to pray again, and then we'll get you guys out of here, all right? All right, so Father God, Lord, I just pray a blessing over everyone who, who is here today, over everyone who is watching this, whether it's live or later online. Father God, Lord, that you would just move in their hearts, that you would help them to understand their identity in you, and that they have a calling from you, God, and that only you can help to reveal to them who they are in you, God. And Lord, we would just rejoice in new life and in new, uh, new people into the body of Christ. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.